Ladies and gentlemen, it is the week of March Madness here on the Eastern Observer. We welcome you to another edition of the Primetime Rundown, our NCAA March Madness special alongside my man Rob DeLuca. I'm Joey Jarzinka. We are joined here this evening by Storm the Paint for Fan Sided, Mike Zabo and Kevin Connolly, both good friends of mine. Really appreciate you two coming on here, fellas. How are the two of you? First, let's start on the bottom here. Mike, Kevin, how are the two of you? I'm good, Joe. How are you? It's been been a while. Normally, we're together, uh, I guess, a week ago today. We're normally together hanging out at the garden, but not the case this year. But, you know, all's well that ends well, I guess, right? Yeah, that's, that is very true. And uh, and Mike Zabo, uh, how are you, sir? And uh, it's been a long time since I've seen you as well. Yeah, I'm pretty good. It's been a long time. No see, Joe. Um, you know, I think the last time we saw each other might have been I think it was the the near Butler comeback that St. John's had like December 2019. So it's been a while. Yeah. Oh, that New Year's yeah. Eve game. Yeah, that New Year's Eve oh, game. Wow. What a, crazy what a shame that was. Yeah, really, really crazy stuff. Rob DeLuca, my co-host, my main man, how are you? Good to see you. And uh, it has been a long time since the two have the two of us have been on here. Yeah, I mean, Joey, it's been feels like forever now you know you miss one show it's like all right it was a little bit you missed yeah. two and it's like yeah. wh where did life go you know it's yeah. good to be back though and it's march madness baby let's get it yeah there's no doubt about it fellas it is march madness week here on the primetime rundown we are coming to you live on saint patty's day for all of those that are irish uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. I know Kevin Connolly is right there. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And for those that are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Kevin Connolly did show off his green sweatshirt that does have, coincidentally, his last name on it. So, guys, let's get things started here because uh, we've got a ton, a ton of stuff here to talk about tomorrow night is going to be the first four, and it's going to be all four first four matchups uh, on or in one night. Really crazy stuff. Everything is different this year. It is going to be uh, a Friday, Sunday, and a Saturday, Monday uh, a whole schedule breakdown here. I think that's about right. And the way that everything has played out here is, is that we are extremely grateful that there will be basketball being played, and it's all going to be played in the Hoosier State. All of it, the West region, East region, South region, Midwest region are all going to be played in the state of Indiana. Uh, Kevin Connolly, Mike Zabo, I want to start with the two of you because you guys work for Fansided, Storm the Paint for uh, that covers St. John's sports in, uh, in whole. And uh, I want to know, fellas, because, you know, it is March and, you know, hashtag this is March. Um, how difficult was it for the two of you to be covering the Big East tournament from your couches? Um, I'll, I'll say for myself, it was really weird. Um, so this is the first time in what this would be my fifth year cover being around the St. John's basketball program. I mean, my four at WSJU and now my one since I've graduated my first time, uh, being at the, or the big East tournament happening and I'm not there. Uh, so it was a little weird. Uh, I mean, Joey, me and you were there on that Thursday last year when, when it got called at halftime. Uh, and that was certainly an experience. And then I guess it it came full circle watching the game uh, against Seton Hall from this exact spot. My TV's right over there um, and doing the Zoom press conferences and that stuff. So it, it was definitely weird and surreal. I mean, I was lucky enough to be um, in the building at Karnaseka Arena for all the home yeah. games this year. 
Yeah. So I, I guess I can't complain. I obviously a, a big shout out to everyone at St. John's for making that possible to uh, Andrew O'Connell, Steve Dombrowski, Mike Craig, Victoria Lanza, everybody, a, a huge shout out for making that happen. But it was definitely weird. It was definitely a little weird. Just felt like a road game. It didn't feel like you win and you move on, you're, you're, you lose and your season goes home. That, yeah. that, that was just my uh, focus on it. And Mike, for you, you you cover St. John's sports as well, but to see that March Madness obviously won't be able to cover St. John's, but be able to, uh, you know, be able to watch it and really, you know, dissect everything from your couch, uh, you know, as opposed to potentially getting a credential. How weird is it for you? It is a little bit strange. I have a different experience than with Kevin. Uh, like it, this season would have actually been my first time experiencing the Big East tournament, but of course yeah. with COVID. I haven't had that experience um, yet, so can't wait. Hopefully next year everything's, you know, solid that we can be able to be back in the arena once again. But just like Kevin, I was back in, in Karnaseka doing the home games, uh, you know, calling them for WSJU radio. So at least we had that. But it is a little bit strange, you know, you, you always you, – you, you feel like, yeah, you're covering it, but you are a fan now. You're, yeah. you're just at home. You're like everybody else. You don't have sort of like the inside stuff where you're like you're sitting in the arena and you can see certain things that people watching at home on the TV won't. So it is a little bit strange with that. But I got everybody in my house now, like knowing everybody that's St. John's now because they, <laughs> we literally watch every single game. Yeah, that's really crazy stuff. And now they're going to be knowing uh, all 68 teams because you're going to be watching all of it, I can only imagine. And I know Kevin Connolly will be all over uh, all 68 teams. And obviously, as we brought up just a few seconds ago, the first four is going to be played tomorrow night, Thursday, March 18th. Uh, really crazy stuff, fellas, because it's going to be the first teams that are going to get off and running Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern, uh, followed by Wichita State and Drake, and then Norfolk State, Appalachian State, and then the Nightcap, Michigan State, UCLA. But first, before we get started with the uh, with those first four games, and surprisingly, uh, the latter game that I brought up, Michigan State, UCLA being a first four team, really crazy yeah. stuff. Let's get started actually in the Big East. And uh, there are some issues with Villanova, as we saw uh, in the aforementioned Big East tournament, where uh, Colin Gillespie was unfortunately injured, and he's out for the season with a torn MCL. Justin Moore had a severe ankle sprain, unfortunately. Fortunately, he was in and uh, he scored about 10 points and he had, a, I think it was two or three quick fouls really nice and early against Georgetown. And Georgetown won the Big East tournament. Really crazy stuff. And those two teams, Villanova, Georgetown, they're in. Creighton, UConn, they're both in. I want to start with Kevin Connolly first because uh, this is, you know, you, 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 you know the Big East throughout from top to bottom. And Villanova losing Colin Gillespie, Justin Moore, and a poor showing um, in the in the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. They go up against a twelve or excuse me a twelfth ranked uh, Winthrop team, twenty three and one on the season. Is this a five twelve upset in the making? Uh, I think it is, but um, I know a lot of people want to bury Vill Villanova, but I'm not writing the obituary just yet. I mean, wow. They played two games without Colin Gillespie. They lost by a total of three points. So I'm not writing the obituary yet. They lost by two on the road against Providence and a chance they had to either tie or win the game at the buzzer. And the same scenario against Georgetown. They led in the final minute. Georgetown put a nice run, and they had a chance to win at the buzzer. So I'm not writing Villanova's obituary yet. I I'm just not. Again, I said two losses by a combined three points, and – 
I think you can. it's fair to make the comparison. Compare Providence and Georgetown to Winthrop. And who do you think is the better team there? Um, Jermaine Samuels, a co-co, a tri-Big East player of the year. I guess that's the right word. Uh, that'll be another conversation for another day. If you want my full and uh, unfiltered thoughts on three players of the year in the conference. But that, again, like I said, that's, that's another conversation for another day, but uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Jermaine Samuels. Um, I, I, they'll be big time. Justin Moore now has had another week to let that ankle heal up a little bit. So just, I'm not writing Villanova's obituary just yet. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that are writing them off real quick. And, and uh, we'll let's hear it. Just one, one thing I want to say also they got a pretty good guy pulling the strings in Jay Wright, too. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, that is true. And you know what, Rob DeLuca? I mean, it's we've heard from, and especially on the selection show last weekend uh, or, you know, just a few days ago, we heard Seth Davis and Clark Kellogg right away. They were basically sending Villanova back to Philadelphia within before the game even started. Yeah, I mean, look, I got to agree with Kevin here. You can't write off Villanova that easy. You can't go against Jay Wright that easily. This guy has coached for so long. He's got two championships in the span of four years. He knows exactly what to do when it comes to the Big East tournament. That being said, it's not going to happen this year. (laughs) Who is taking it? The upset is happening. Okay, before we get to Mike Zabo, I need you to hold up that bracket one more time because if I'm not mistaken, I think Kevin and Mike saw exactly what I saw. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw you have Winthrop winning not one, but you have them winning two games. The Cinderella story of the March Madness tournament is going to be Winthrop. Watch it happen. Well, I mean, Kevin, Mike, there's always somebody. And this year, it's going to be them. They're the Sweet 16 shocker. Myself, Kevin Connolly, and Mike Zabo, and someone else actually have a very, very good facial reaction because that, to me, is just it is just ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, look. look so I tried to hide it. I did what I could to hide it because we weren't there yet. We were sit- I was trying to say that for the region by region show. But look, it can happen. It can happen. This is- Let's just remember three simple words. This is March. Mike Zabo, let's hear it. Well, I'm going to jump on with uh, Rob here. I'm not on the Winthrop stuff. I'm not taking Winthrop to the Sweet 16, but I, I am writing Villanova's obituary because, uh, listen, I get they've had a week to prepare after the Big East tournament, but you lost a guy like Colin Gillespie, a guy who he's an All-American type player. He's a, a co-Big East player of the year. Um, the, the offense just hasn't looked the same since yeah. he's gone down. And while the defense is still always strong and keeping them close in games, you're not going to win a lot of games when you're scoring 52, 54 points a game, especially in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Jay Wright described Winthrop as a combination of Creighton and um, Butler, um, the way they play. I think their pace is really going to trouble Villanova. And either way, even if they do come out against Winthrop, uh, I don't see them going that much farther. You look at the whole South bracket and the whole South region, and you say to yourself, you know, you have Texas Tech in in there, you have Ohio State in there, and you have Baylor in there as well. And we'll get to the the whole region part shortly. But so you guys have Villanova winning at least one game. 
Is that my uh, is that my take here, Kevin and Mike? At the very worst, yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, that's that. that uh, you want to respond to that quickly, Deluca? Anything else other than head, no? Head, they, head, have, head, they have every right to think Villanova is going to win this game, and they certainly could. Like I said, you can't write off Jay Wright. It's just not possible. Even with Gillespie out, it can't. It, you simply can't just say they're toast. Yeah. Yeah, we also we also have to say too that there is someone else also in there, Jam- um, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl as well. He's another uh, he's another factor in there um, that has been a uh, a post presence as well, uh, fellas. There is another Big East team though that could be a cause for concern. Uh, the Creighton Blue Jays they literally no showed. Uh, against Georgetown on Big East uh, Championship night. Uh, They will be coming out against uh, UC Santa Barbara, who is another team that is very sneaky to potentially do another 12-5 upset. Um, We saw that against Georgetown, that this big-bodied team, if everything goes well defensively, if their bigs can play nicely, Kudus Wahab will get to them in a second. Creighton is just a team that... If they have one bad night shooting, they are gone. Mm-hmm. Kevin, let's hear it from you. You've you've seen them firsthand. Yeah, I think this could be an upset special um, with UC Santa Barbara coming on top. Um, I did get a chance to see Creighton in person this year against St. John's, and they got out to a really fast start, yeah. and then St. John's started to creep their way back, and then it was like boom, and Creighton was up by 20 in the span of, of five minutes. I think you can even look back to – almost the game that broke the camels back in, in terms of Seton Hall. I mean, Seton Hall looked like they had Creighton on the ropes in the Prudential Center. And yes. uh, Creighton just had a great shooting stretch for five minutes, and they won the game. Um, the biggest, My biggest concern with Creighton is I don't think they're tough. I think they're like a flashy, a flashy shooting team. Um, and if you bump them around a little bit and they're not getting the foul calls, you can really rattle them. And I think that's what Georgetown did a bit. And it also helped that Georgetown was hitting a lot of their shots in. Um, Creighton couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Yeah, Mike, let's hear your thoughts on uh, on on Creighton. Yeah, I'm calling the upset on Creighton here. I have Santa Barbara in my in my bracket. It's just really not a good matchup for Creighton. Santa Barbara's got a ton of size in the front court that's going to trouble Creighton. Creighton, we all know, is not a tall team. Uh, I think Christian Bishop is probably their biggest guy at six eight or something like that. Um, they're really not a team that's built on size. Like Kevin said, they're built on hot shooting and a a team like Santa Barbara is going to give, um, Creighton trouble. And I think they're going to go out right away. Well, Rob DeLuca, you're, you're the, uh, you're the fan of the room here and you've seen Creighton as well. And you can see it obviously from a different perspective. What did you see against Georgetown that really, uh, you know, could spark some, uh, you know, some sirens. Yeah, look, there's a lot to be said about what happened to Creighton against Georgetown. I mean, granted, look, we we this has to be said right now. It was Georgetown bad. easily was the hottest team going into that tournament. They they were they were heating up before the Big East tournament started, and they completely rode that wave to the title. No questions asked there. That being said, about this uh, about what happened in the game. Yeah, they just didn't have their stuff, you know. As Mike said, they they do rely a little bit on some hot shooting, and if they don't have it, it could be a bad night for them. But obviously, when you now, but they're still here. They made it. They're a five seat. They're in the dreaded five twelve matchup yeah. in the west in this west region here. 
this was actually the last matchup I wrote in a winner for. I literally spent five minutes looking at it. I was like going back and forth, not even remotely sure what to do. But in the end, I do have the Blue Jays getting a game there. Wow. Blue Jays are going to – it's going to be a dogfight. But they're gonna edge them out in the end. And, so does anyone have a uh, does anyone have a uh, I don't know a, 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 an argument there because you know Kevin said that he was not ready to write off Villanova. Are you ready to write off Creighton yet? I, I don't know if it's writing them off just because I mean they are healthy. I think I think in comparing Creighton to Villanova, I mean the injuries concerns for Villanova. Everyone's just dismissing them. I don't know if people are necessarily dismissing Creighton. I think they still the people are still saying that they have that potential. Yeah. Um, I just think that the way they played against Georgetown isn't leaving a good taste in people's mouths. Um, I went with UC Santa Barbara. Yeah, me too. I I don't know about you, Mike, but I I went. I know you actually. You did say UC Santa Barbara before, so the three of us went with uh, UC Santa Barbara and uh, and Deluca. Of course, the odd man out trying to figure out uh, maybe he's on the on the Big East wave. Uh, <laughs> We'll see. I don't know, but just by looking at at these statistics from the from the championship game, Christian Bishop one for six, four boards, total of two points, four turnovers. He led the team with uh, with four turnovers. Damian Jefferson one for eight. Marcus Zagorowski was he was the leading score getter. Obviously, Mitchell Ballack was was not great. And the biggest one, the biggest cause for concern here was Denzel Mahoney was one for thirteen and one for ten from distance. That's it. That's all he had. And he had three steals, two assists, and uh, and obviously Alex O'Connell. That one really didn't matter because he did play towards the end where they were garbage minutes and uh, and a few points that really did not matter. But I think what was it the 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 high score or the uh, the, the the margin was I think plus thirty one in favor of Georgetown at one point. It was crazy that night. Um, but I, I don't know. I I, I can see um, this game being a hundred percent an upset and. Uh, in my final bracket, UC Santa Barbara is the uh, is going to prevail uh, against Creighton. Guys, I got to ask you this: How many brackets did uh, did you guys make? Because I made a I made one mock and I made a final one because I had to do a few crossouts here. But how many uh, how many brackets did you make, Kevin? I have two. I have two printed right now. I have two on ESPN, two on CBS. So what's that? Two, four. That's six in total. <laughs> And and I feel like we're getting some new information by the hour now in terms of uh, COVID updates. I know uh, o- Oklahoma had a COVID issue where um, someone's not playing, and I think there's rumors going around that Georgia Tech has could have some a uh, COVID issue. So we're gonna have to wait and see. Maybe we need some uh, last minute scrubbing here of the bracket just to make sure I got everything in place. No pun intended on that with trying to scrub everything clean. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the crazy thing here, fellas, is is that right now all 68 teams are set to go. Uh, Dan Gavin in his press conference earlier had basically said that the four replacement teams are done. They will not be heading into uh, or heading to Indianapolis. So if there are any uh, postponements or anything along those lines, they will be uh, forfeited games for that team. And then the next team will, or the, the opponent will then go on to, uh, to the next round, if you will. So, um, you know, good Lord willing, we'll be able to see everything unfold nicely and uh, with no, with no disruption, but let's head into the bottom 
uh, into the quadrant four of this bracket, the East region, where two Big East teams reside in Georgetown and UConn. Um, another 5-12 game that has, in my opinion, upset special written all over it, the way Georgetown is playing guys lately. And they cruised in the Big East tournament. We all saw that. Uh, they beat Villanova. They beat Seton Hall. And then they come out and then they wallop all over uh, Creighton University. Well, actually, first, rather, they come out and beat Marquette. That was the first game uh, on Wednesday in that 8-9 game. Uh, of course, the one that me and Kevin know all about, the one that usually is played at like 7 o'clock at night during our classes. Uh, but that this year was actually played uh, at 3 p.m. due to uh, the incoming uh, School of UConn. So that was pretty cool there. Um, anyone want to take this? 12-5. I have Georgetown in this game nice and easily, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know about nice and easily, but okay. I, I, I also have Georgetown in this. They're really hot, and I think they match up really well with Colorado because Colorado's best player is a point guard, McKinley Wright. Um, probably will be a first-round draft pick this year. Uh, but Georgetown, I mean, they have a lot of guards. You have Javon Blair. If you want to throw someone bigger on him, I don't know if you would do this, but you could put a Jamarco Pickett on him. And then if you're Georgetown, you can go down low. Obviously, you wouldn't guard McKinley right, but you have Kudus Wahab to match yeah. up with anybody Colorado throws out there. So I think Georgetown is really positioned well. The key is shutting down McKinley right. If you're able to do that, I think Georgetown's going to the round of 32. He's making me question a lot of my if, – if we go game by game here, Kevin's going to have me questioning a lot of my picks. He knows what he's talking about here. Meanwhile – I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, oh, no, I know he does. Of course he does. <laughs> we, we only get the best people on here, Joey. Come on. That's now. right. But now, but here's the thing. I think people are underrating Colorado. I think people are, yeah, I think people are, yeah, I think they're underappreciating them. I think they're better than a lot of people give them credit for. That being said, this is going to be a phenomenal 5-12 game. It is going to come down to the buzzer, essentially, in my opinion. However, well, they usually I, all do. A lot of them do. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, the beauty of March. However, I think it was just – it's a little too much time off for Georgetown. If I was Georgetown, I would want I would have wanted to start playing three to, in, th in three days from winning the Big East tournament. This was a long rest, and it might have just cooled them off. I have the Buffaloes moving on. Just before Mike goes, I want to point one thing out. I think it's interesting for Colorado because your two bid stealers this year were Georgetown and Oregon State. Who'd Colorado play in their last game? Oregon State in the Pac-12 yeah. championship. Now they get the other bid stealer in Georgia. And I just think that's a little bit a, a coincidence that that the back-to-back -back games are against the two oh, bid stealers. and they may want some revenge for yeah. For, so, Mike, let's hear it. I think I'm picking Georgetown here. I think uh, I get uh, what Rob's saying about them cooling off, but I think they're just coming into this tournament hitting their stride. Georgetown, Pat Ewing's going to have them ready. Um, he's really gotten them primed and, and ready at the right time, the way they performed in the Big East tournament. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody saw that championship performance coming from Georgetown. I'm sure we, we all expected a rock fight of a game for the Big East title. Georgetown just blew them out, probably in one of the most dominant displays we've ever seen in a Big East title clinching game. And I think they're going to keep on riding that. They match up well, Georgetown. There's not really, in terms of defending, it's not really the, too many great weaknesses. They match up very well against Colorado. Yeah. Um, they're just riding a hot wave. And what a story it would be for Patrick Ewing in, in the tournament 
being back in the NCAA tournament to get a win for Georgetown, led by a freshman in Dante Harris, who didn't even make the Big East all freshman team. Which and, and to me, I, I find that that is that that is beyond ludicrous as well. And we're seeing the two seniors really lead the way in Jamarco Pickett, Javon Blair, those guys I remember calling the game for actually one of my first WSJU games. That was in the uh, in the infamous Marcus Levette game uh, towards the end where uh, where where a fight broke out at the end. And uh, and Kevin Connolly knows exactly what I'm talking about. That was yeah. uh, that was crazy. I believe that those two were freshmen in that year and just to see these guys grow and eventually get their chance, not only with the big East uh, with the big East championship, but now they could potentially be coming in here as, uh, as, as upset, um, you know, upset written all over this game. Um, 13 and 12, they come into, uh, into the round of 64 and we were listening to, uh, to the pregame or the pre-tournament, um, uh, press conference with Georgetown and from what we heard with Javon Blair we heard with Patrick Ewing is that they're just they're getting ready obviously but they also are not allowed to leave their hotel as well so they haven't left their hotel in days either unless they go out for practices um, which really I wouldn't be surprised if that does take a toll on some of these players as well I don't know if it's going to be a de- you know a, a, a huge detriment to uh, to their performance um, come uh, Saturday afternoon, I believe that is the first or second game on the docket uh, on Saturday. Um, but I'd love to see a Georgetown Florida State uh, matchup, Leonard Hamilton and uh, and Patrick Ewing. I think that would be fantastic to see those two going at it, guys. Anyone want to uh, take that away? I I have it in my bracket. I have Georgetown and Florida State playing in a round of thirty-two. Uh, there's one thing I'll, I'll add on Patrick Ewing. I think he's doing a phenomenal job oh, yeah. at, ta- at taking no, at taking the attention away from his team, if that makes sense. Because right after, uh, I think it was the Villanova game when they won, and he went on the tirade about the MSG security, yeah. not knowing who he was. Now, I, I'm, I might get be giving him a lot more credit for than what he was trying to do, but that took all the media press, everything, all the pressure off his team. Because that's all everyone was talking about. It was talking about Patrick Ewing and Madison Square Garden. They weren't talking about Jamarco Pickett or Kudus Wahab or Javon Blair. So I don't know if that was intentional by Patrick Ewing, mm. but I think I think that was a perfect thing to do because no one was focusing on the actual players for Georgetown. They were focusing on Patrick Ewing. They were focusing on the MSG security uh, staff, and they were focusing on Jim Dolan. I think that was a perfect strategy. He took all the attention away from his team and didn't do it like in a way like, oh, look at me, I'm doing this. Look at me, look at me, look at me. He did it in a, in a subtle way where no one was going to put any pressure on his team. All they were going to talk about was his situation with the security staff. Well, that's that a- brilliant. That's a pretty good analogy. I, you know, I, I I never really thought of that because you think about it and you say to yourself that, you know, you've been getting a whole bunch of questions, especially now that I think about it and I and I revisit that 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 pre-tournament press conference and you hear a lot of the questioning come about not even his players when they mm-hmm. were asked to him, and they were asked about how he got into coaching and what and how he's here and about not only that but also the late John Thompson as well and we're starting to see you're right Kevin now that you know now that I'm thinking about it there were so many questions about why he was coaching how he was coaching how did he get into it 
Does he like it? Very little questions about the defensive side of things. And even with Javon Blair, a lot of the questions were about his coach as well. Not even so much about, about how they can potentially beat Colorado. That's really crazy stuff. Yeah. That's a fantastic analogy. Just yesterday, I was watching First Take, ESPN's First Take, and Patrick Ewing was on. And not one time did the three commentators mention a Georgetown player's name. It was all about MSG security. (laughs) It was about his coaching. He was in in one of the answers, he brought up Blair and Pickett and Wahab and Carrie and all these players, but no one, nobody's asking him about his players. Right. So all this, no one even calling out. Yeah, the, the spotlight yeah. is being taken away from the players, and I think that's a good thing for this type of team this time of year. Now, Mike, going towards the UConn-Maryland game as we move down the bracket here, and we're going to see which is beyond crazy. UConn-Maryland, Alabama-Iona. No one would have ever thought that in the year 2019 a couple of years back right but this is this is a brand new decade okay 2020 has come and gone and there are certain things still in this in this year that we are still seeing oh you know it's all it's 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 so 2020 but this is something that is so 2020 here UConn not only in the Big East but also Iona again, but also Alabama getting a two seed as well in college basketball. We normally see them obviously in college football being the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I mean, 24 and six, Alabama is, you know, right there. And uh, 7 10, they're, I don't, I personally don't think that I see an upset written on this with Maryland and UConn. Uh, depending on what happens with RJ Cole, he is in the concussion protocol. That is a massive, massive loss for them. And, uh, one of the engines uh, that that controls Dan Hurley's uh, UConn Huskies. But Mike, what are your thoughts on uh, on the newest, or I guess one of the oldest uh, Big East teams? But in you know, I guess in uh, in hindsight, the newest Big East team. I mean, UConn is a wild card in this tournament. Uh, they're, they're in that that spot in the East region where it is tough. It is going to be yeah. a grind. I mean, they could face Alabama right away in the second yeah. round. But, I mean, this is a wild card of a team with Booknight, who is projected to be an NBA lottery pick. Uh, they could go all the way to the Sweet 16 or, or even further, I've heard some people talk about with them. I and mean, th- This is a team that can break brackets but uh, or a team that they'll just, you know, win a game and bow out right away. Uh, yeah. It can be anywhere in between. I think they're going to beat Maryland. I think they're better than them. Yeah, uh, the Cole news is a little bit uh, concerning for them, but I think if Book Night rises to the occasion, that should nullify that. But um, I think if they get past Maryland, that is going to be a really interesting matchup potentially with Alabama. And for those that don't know, also um, about um, about the whole R.J. Cole situation, but also the James Booknight uh, surgery that he did have during the season, Kevin. I think it was what eight or I think it was like eight games that he missed due to elbow surgery. Uh, in yeah, that range. yeah, it was somewhere what four to five weeks. I think he was out I four to six so. weeks. Yeah, and they were extremely vulnerable. I mean, hey, yeah. St. John's beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. without with, without book night yeah um yeah they, they were really gettable and um it, it's water under the bridge now but could UConn even be in this position if they didn't have their last what if they didn't have that game where the referee tested positive 
and I think they had oh, a wow. three three game postponement against Seton Hall, Villanova, and St. John's, which all would have been played without Book Knight. Imagine those three losses on their resume. They might not be in this position. And they also might not even be a seventh seed. Who knows? They could have even yeah. been maybe, uh, I don't know, a, a, a 10, a 12, a yeah. 13 yeah. even. Could they? See, now, you know what? To follow up on that, if let's say, for instance, if they were to lose all three of those games, were, would they be in this in this field of 68? I think without a sizable run at the garden, I'd probably, probably say no. Oh, okay. So probably not wrong, Joey. I think he's he's kind of spot on because we we discuss, we discussed this back when this happened. Yeah, that, that we're like we were like, wait a minute, we just beat them without Book Knight, and we had another shot at them without Book Knight, and we yeah. saw how well we we did. We being St. John's, and right. and you go and, you go against someone like Villanova. Yeah. You go against a team like Seton Hall who competes hard. Who know those easily could have been three losses. You yeah. never, and it really could have affected this drastically. Yeah, and on top of it too, you you also got to see Dan Hurley to really discover and find out some more about his players as well. That he had really no idea what he was getting with with a few with a few of uh, with, with a few of them. Obviously, Isaiah Whaley, we all, we knew about him. Uh, Tyrese Martin, we knew about him. Those two guys, especially the former, he was, I believe. Uh, uh, defensive player of the year or co-defensive player of the year, if I'm right, Kevin. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he and really UConn has just been a defensive powerhouse when in really in recent seasons, it's been Seton Hall, actually, who has been the uh, the defensive lockdown team. And it was stripped away real quick by the UConn Huskies. Um, Guys, I want to stay in this in this bracket here, or this region here, or in this quadrant, if you will, and I want to look towards the um, the local team. And I think the local team here, fellas, Iona, and I have to tell you, is is that this has got to be not only the coolest thing that we are seeing. Not only is Rick Pitino bringing his record breaking fifth team to the field of sixty eight. But he's also bringing a team that did not play for nearly, I think it was two months, two consecutive months. I think it was like 61 days or something along those lines. Um, and he's bringing them back to the promised land, albeit a 15 seed, uh, 12 and 5. They just got past that little threshold of uh, the bare minimum of what it is to make the tournament. Um, but they went in and they cruised in Atlantic City. Uh, in the MAC tournament, I mean, how good is this? Not only for Iona Gales fans, but for Rick Pitino as a whole. From everything that we have seen with him and all the baggage that came from him uh, when he was at Louisville. Just wait till he starts getting his players in here too. I mean, he's doing this in a year with recruiting in a pandemic. I mean, wait for a couple of years when he starts pulling in three, four, and probably your eventually five-star recruits. I mean, that's I, – I, do. does any of you think he's not going to eventually end up doing that? Because that's no. – I think down the road, I, I, Iona's going to start – I mean, it's not going to become a blue blood, but I, Iona College is going to be reeling in four and five stars, I'd say, within the next five years. I, I think Kevin's 100% right, and honestly, it's something that could turn the MAC into – 
more than just a one bid conference. Like they, they could, they could be good to the point where they don't need to win the Mac tournament to, to dance. They, and th- then it'll, it will turn the Mac into a two bid conference for the first time in what feels like a long time and forever, ever. Yeah. 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 Mike, let's hear it. What do you think? Your thoughts on, uh, on- yeah, I agree. I mean, Rick Patino, I mean, him doing this, getting into the tournament, I think it takes away a lot of the attention from the previous baggage because yeah. he, you know, it would have been easy if, if Iona wouldn't have done done well, or or they they would have just folded this season with all the pauses, that the criticism would have been lumped on Patino, the baggage would have come up again, and saying to Iona that this would have been a bad hire, it was bad from the start. Those storylines would have already been written, but it's kind of all vindicated because I mean they had probably one of the worst circumstances any team in the country had in terms of dealing with COVID, just pause after pause. And it was probably really frustrating as soon as they were ready to get back, another one hit and another one hit. And they could just never really get off the mat. And to still be able to accomplish what they did is hugely impressive. Like Kevin said, he he didn't even get his players in yet. It's Iona's going to be a force in the Mac. Yeah, it's really, it's crazy to see that, uh, even some of the players too that he's got on his roster also came from Tim Clues as well, who obviously we do wish uh, we wish him all the best in his uh, in, in in his fight uh, of uh, of I don't uh, you know in 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 a uh, in a health battle. We don't know what it is, um, but you know we do wish him all the best, um, Tim Clues. That is uh, Alabama guys, uh, Kevin. I want to hear your analysis on on Alabama because do you see them potentially or seeing the uh, the, the, the basketball gods guiding Iona to, I don't know, upset Alabama. I mean, obviously we, we, we also see the numbers too and, and how rare that is. Obviously the, the two and 15 and the 15 being, beating the two, I believe on CBS, they showed it and it was like, I think it was like eight total wins ever. Um, but you know, just because we're seeing the, this team so high right now or on such a high right now, especially after, Really, they're fresh if you think about it, because they've only played 17 games as opposed to Alabama playing double that. Um, is that a valid argument to say that Iona could be one of the freshest teams in the conference or in the in the field of 68? I think that's fair to say, um, just because they haven't played a lot of games. But I mean, outside of Gonzaga and maybe Illinois, is there anyone playing better than Alabama right now? I mean, that game against LSU, I mean, that was one of the best games of the year, I think. Yes. Um, even look at their game against uh, Arkansas. I mean, they've done it. They've won while they've uh, while, while leading, and they've done it by coming back. I mean, this team, yeah. this team, and they can, they can score. They can run with anybody. The thing is, can they defend on a consistent basis? I think that's the big question. Um, but Iona's really going to have to lock in defensively if they want a shot at Alabama and um, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think I, I do think in the first half it'll be competitive, but I think Alabama wins going away in the second half. Yeah, um, guys, let's uh, let's keep moving forward here and let's uh, let's conclude our little local segment here uh, with Rutgers. And I, I got to tell you, we saw Rutgers; they were about to dance last year, and all of a sudden, it all came down. Hofstra was another team that was about to dance as well for the first time in nearly I don't know twenty something years. And it all fell down. Um, obviously, for Hofstra, Joe Mahalik, uh, unfortunately, he's he's uh, he's uh, he took another uh, leave of absence due to health reasons. But 
down the pike. Uh, Rutgers is a 10 seed playing Clemson 16 and seven uh, ACC versus big 10. Really good stuff there. Um, there are some, I would say some rumblings that there could be a, uh, you know, a sense of urgency to get this game off the ground. Obviously 30 years in the making, this has been, or actually 31 years. And Steve Peichel was asked today by numerous reporters, uh, you know, how do you sell the program? How did you, how are you able to get these players, uh, you know, to see guys like Ron Harper, uh, Geo Baker, these guys who are leading the way, mind you, they have yet to have, and knock on wood, wherever wood is, um, that they ha- they will not be pause- uh, will not be pausing this entire season. Not once were they on pause for their own COVID issues. Geo Baker did say today, uh, excuse me, Ron Harper did say today uh, that he has been leading the charge in making sure that his team stays in the hotel. And they've been in Indianapolis, obviously for the big 10 tournament. And now, and they've been in the, he has said he has not left his hotel room in three days. Now I want to go to DeLuca here because this is something for you, especially who one of which just got your COVID vaccine today. Number one, uh, number one shot. Um, so credit to you there, but for someone like all four of us and for the rest of the world who have been quarantining for a very long time for over a year, you see these players, athletes that are stuck in their rooms for three days. Does that take a toll on you mentally and physically as a ball player? Yeah, I would say it causes you to lose your complete mind. <laughs> you can completely lose your mind. You don't know what you don't know what's going on half the time because at that point all you got to rely on is the television to give to tell you what's going on in the world. It, you, we saw it with the uh, National Hockey League's playoff bubble. Those yeah. those players were not a fan of having to be prisoners to those hotel to those hotels and the rink. They wanted to have a, a life. They want they want to live their life. We all want to live our life. My arm hurts like hell right now, but it's completely 100% worth it just to get back to normal sooner rather than later. Yeah. That being said, yes, I think for Rutgers, I mean, not having to travel is a little bit of an advantage, but at the same time, this is a tough game against Clemson, but I think the Scarlet Knights are going to win this game. It's going to be close, very close, but I think they're going to eat this one out. Mike Zabo, do you agree or disagree? I saw you uh, nodding your head a tiny bit. I agree. I, I think the Rutgers are actually favored in this game, which I, I think, um, you know, based on the seeding, this will be considered an upset. But I think actually many people regard Rutgers as better than Clemson and favor them in this game. So I do think that they're going to be able to get past Clemson into the second round. Um, yeah. You know, I get the, the whole factor of them being in the hotels and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I think the advantage that they don't have to travel You'll still be able to work out. You'll they'll figure something out to, yeah. to, you know, to kill time and, and work out and get ready for this tournament. I think no matter what, you're you're inside your hotel. I mean, your team hasn't been to the tournament in 31 years. There's a hell of a lot of pent up energy in there that they're gonna unleash out on the court. Well, now that brings me to ask Kevin Connolly this question: Who who knows the ACC inside and out? 
Um, 16 and 7 compared to 15 and 11. Obviously, everything is now 0 and 0 once we hit, uh, you know, the, the men's basketball championship. Uh, and Rutgers does play uh, on Friday, the 10 versus 7 seed. Do you see Clemson advancing? No, no. Oh. Unless, unless Dabo Sweeney's on the sideline and Trevor Lawrence comes out to play point guard. No, you don't. You never. I mean, look what Clemson did. Clemson got a buy, uh, or was it a double buy? No, I think it was a single buy in the ACC tournament. Yes, he played 13 seed Miami and lost. You, I, I never. Clemson could like Clemson basketball could be 25 and 0, and I still wouldn't trust them. Um, so yeah, I, I have Rutgers winning this one. Uh, over Clemson, I just I just don't trust them. I mean, they have good players. Um, I I just don't trust them. It's very funny you bring that up because I did get to see on the uh, on the Twitter wire. Uh, Kevin Connolly probably saw this as well, but there were actually some reporters asking players about the football team, <laughs> about Dabo Sweeney. So for. I, this is this is a, a a question that I need to ask my media guys below me because this is something that is, you know, we got to see obviously with Duke and we got to see with uh, with Coach K. You know, he he was deemed as you know disrespectful to certain reporters, but here when you you know obviously there's there's no question no no stupid questions right when you come from certain people or whatnot i don't want to open up a can of worms here but what i do want to know from you kevin is is that journalism 101 is is that why are you asking about the football team when your when when your basketball team is slated to be playing in less than 72 hours cuz uh, all right, I, I want to try to put this in nice, in, in like a nice, in like a nice way. No, I'm serious, because nobody cares about Clemson basketball. Um, that all they care about is Clemson football. I mean, I have, um, I have experience with it in yeah. terms of. So I write for Ball Durham, which is yeah. a, a, the Duke fan sided site, and I mean, just in terms of views on articles, it's yeah, you're, you're comparing. $100 bills to pennies when you're writing about yeah. Duke basketball compared to Duke football. I think right. that's that's a similar that's a similar comparison just roles yeah. reversed in terms of Clemson. It's crazy. It's really crazy to see and I'm sure Mike Zabo you got to see that same thing too. What were you what were you thinking when you saw that they were asking about Dabo Sweeney to these players and and you know, just like what Kevin had brought up earlier, how it takes attention off of, off of that. Do you think that that kind of add, adds fuel to the fire to these to these student athletes who, you know, they're overlooking their basketball team? Number one, they are ranked or I guess seated seventh, but they're kind of overlooking them and going directly to their football program. Yeah, I think uh, I think it gives extra motivation for the players. Um, yeah. I really don't think the players uh, appreciated the line of questioning. I think it's going whether it's going to turn out into a win or whatnot. I know we all predicted Rutgers, but yeah, um, you know what? I think it'll give uh, the Clemson players a little extra fire to go out there and say, yeah. "Hey, we're we're not just some basketball team. We're in March Madness here. We're in the field of '68." You know, Dabo and the gang is on the off season right now. Let's save that till September. I'm sure they'll be saying that. And, uh, you know, they'll want a chance uh, here in this tournament to put some respect on their name. 
Yeah, really crazy stuff, fellas. But uh, let's get into our region by region uh, look ahead here, guys. And uh, let's start with uh, let's say let's start with whoever whoever wants to go first. Uh, who 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 wants to start with maybe the South region or even any region that you guys potentially see. Um, you know, being a really competitive region as a whole, not even the games, but um, what would be, I guess, the toughest region here and, uh, you know, why? I'll, uh, I'm, you know what? I'm really looking at, in terms of like the most competitive region, I, I think I'm yeah. looking at the, mid, the Midwest here. Yeah. Because you, let's take a look here. You got teams like Illinois, Houston, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, who has some real, Real potential to make a deep run, and yeah. that was just the top four seeds of yes. this region. Then you you keep going. You got teams like Tennessee. Tennessee, little bit of an over overrated year for them. However, but five seeds still solid. Got a very tough game against Oregon State. They're a very competitive team. Pac-12 champions. Then then you look at then you look at the six eleven matchup. It's San Diego State and Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse has some. Yeah. Has some real upset potential there for Syracuse yeah. to yeah. win a game there, and then you've got Clemson Rutgers in there, and then you've got the you, Liberty's always a little pesky. If if they, I'll say this: if they weren't playing Oklahoma State, I probably would have found a way to take them somewhere else. But Oklahoma State has too much for them. It's gonna it's gonna be tough if because look if. K- Kate Cunningham's out there. It's it's just going to be a never-ending problem for them. And then, of course, Sister Jean. Yeah, Sister there it is. Jean in the Midwest. How there can you is. ever, ever go against that saint of a woman? She's 101 years old. And on top of it, too, Kevin Connolly did bring up earlier how Georgia Tech is beginning to get some COVID issues. Mm-hmm. It's all written there. It, it, it's happening, fellas. It's happening. And Sister Jean is going to be there. Oh, boy. This is she's uh, there. She's fully vaccinated. And oh, here it comes. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, this that would be a huge this is March moment. And also Illinois guys led by uh, Kobe, uh, Kofi Coburn as well. Um, where do you guys have Illinois heading to? Because Illinois, I mean, they're they're Big Ten champions. Well, uh, I have them losing in the Sweet 16 to Oklahoma State. Um, that's exactly what I have too. That is exactly- I have I have Oklahoma State going all the way to the championship game. That's I mean wow. I mean, since we're talking about it, yeah, I don't have them in the championship, but they're right there in my. I can't move. Just say it. Just say it, Luca. Just say it. They're in my final four right okay. there. <laughs> Right there in my final four. I have Oklahoma State winning that region, winning the Midwest region, going to the final four. Wow. Winning a very tough Elite Eight game against Houston, but Oklahoma State wins the Midwest region. Mike, we're not leaving you out here. What do you got? You got a you got a you got an argument here? Yeah, speaking speaking of bold, so now that we bring up Illinois losing in the Sweet Sixteen to <laughs> Cunningham, um you know, just to shout out, one of our – as we're doing our bracket pool in um, our WSJU radio uh, guys, uh, yeah. just to shout out, uh, one of our sports directors, Chris Bell, actually predicted Oklahoma State to win it all. Wow. And been winning it all. So talk about bold there. Um, but I, I'm going to go a little bit – I think against the, the room here and probably with more of the field – and ha- I have Illinois going straight to the championship game. Oh. Um, you know, they're just playing. I think they've been playing well all season, but I think they've really begun to peak right toward the end of the season. 
Um, Andre Curbelo starting to play at a higher level, and with him, along with Ayo Dasumo and Kofi Coburn, I mean, yeah. the, the sky's the limit for them. Yeah, I, I agree with Mike there. I, I think it's a crime that Illinois-Oklahoma State had to be a Sweet 16 game and not something later because this is going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Now, my question to you guys here is, is that when I was looking at, at at this when we were coming up with the when we were coming up with the rundown and everything like that, no pun intended, but we were looking at the or I was anyway, and I was looking at one of the the uh, the, the quadrants here in the region, and I actually thought that at one point the East region was the best region mm-hmm. when Isaiah Livers was healthy. Mm-hmm. But Michigan now becomes extremely vulnerable, and there is upset special written all over that, guys. Where do you see Michigan landing? I have Michigan losing in the second round to LSU. Ooh, and Kevin Connolly, I do too. Great mind. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, there we go. Great minds think alike somewhere. There we go. Yeah, Yeah, I just think LSU, what they showed in the SEC tournament, um, I think they're under-seeded as eight. I think they're better than an eight seed. And Michigan probably deserved a one over Ohio State. But Noah, if Isaiah Livers can't go, that it's a completely different team. I, I got to agree with Kevin here. I, I was staring at Michigan LSU for probably close to 10 minutes. Yes. But ultimately, I ended up coming away with Michigan. I think that – I. I, Isaiah Livers is a huge luck. I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be straight up here. Matt if Isaiah Livers wasn't injured, they were my champion outright. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even going to be close. I had him walk. I had him walking to the Final Four, and getting past probably probably Gonzaga for the champ to get to the championship and and win it all. Easy. Which is a perfect segue before say say before we get to that segue. I want I want to go to to Mike here. What do you think about uh, about Michigan here? What do you even think about it? Say, do you even agree with me that 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 fourth quadrant is, or at one point was, the best quadrant? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I had that as the best seat, uh, best region. I mean, yeah. you have uh, UConn, which we talked about before, could be a, a, an upset special yeah. that could go through Alabama, Texas, who many are starting to have as a Final Four uh, team. God knows if Michigan State goes on a dream run. Um, that's another one. Florida State is a tough defensive team that's going to be in there. Um, but, you know, just with Isaiah Livers out, um, you know, Michigan are much more vulnerable, prone to an upset. Um, you know, he's been dealing with the stress fracture since December. And now they're still talking about, like, oh, it could be likely if Michigan gets to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, if he could come back. I, I just. I'm not a medical doctor, but I disagree with that. Somebody who's been dealing with the stress fracture for so long, I think he's out of the tournament. Uh, I think Livers' season is done, which is a huge blow to Michigan's hopes. I currently have them losing in the second round to LSU. I have LSU making the Elite Eight right now. Mm. You know what? I got to agree with Mike here. You know, about what he said about Livers, even if he does come, even if he is able to come back, he's not going to be the same guy. I, I actually do have Michigan in the Elite Eight. I, again, I, they're too good of a team that one player can make this big of a difference. He makes a huge difference. Don't get me wrong, but their their depth is something else. So they're going to get to the Elite Eight and lose to Alabama. I have Alabama winning the East Region. They will be the other the Final Four team on the bottom there, but it'll be close. I with Florida State, 
They're a little too streaky for me. So that's why I think Michigan will be able to deal with them. But I think Florida State gets past Colorado. And, Joe, you brought up – or, Mike, you brought up the Michigan State making an improbable run. I want to talk about that one a little bit. So on here I wrote down MSU or UCLA depending on who wins. Like, obviously, we don't know who's going to win yet. Yeah. For me, it doesn't matter. BYU loses that game either way. They oh. do not match up against Michigan State or UCLA well at all. I do not think they should have been a six seed to begin with. That was way too high. So I think BYU is going to get going to get tossed immediately by either one. It doesn't matter. And yeah, but yeah, then but I do have them losing to Texas next. Both of them. I don't think either. You know, Michigan State might be a little closer. I think yeah. they might be better to Texas than UCLA would. But I think they, Texas would win either way. But, yeah, Alabama is the East region winner for me. Well, now I have to ask you this because technically the defending NCAA champions is still Virginia, okay? <laughs> and, you know, that was surprisingly two years ago, okay? <sighs> and on the other side of the bracket, the runner-up in the South in, uh, in, 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 in Quadrant 2 um, is – Texas Tech. And we all know someone that is on there right now who is making shockwaves all around uh, all around Patrick Mahomes' uh, alma mater. And his name is Mac McClung. Uh, we can't stand him because, you know, he just completely destroyed St. John's when he was here, uh, you know, on the East Coast for his, his, a whopping one year. Um, but do we see Texas Tech winning a game or potentially none? Anybody want to take that? I got a winning one, yeah. Mike, go ahead. Mike. Yeah, I got Texas Tech going to the second round. Utah State's going to be a trickier matchup than people think, um, but I do have them going to the second round and then losing yeah. to Arkansas. Yeah, that's what I got. Kevin? Uh, I have them going to the Sweet 16. I have them beating Utah State and beating Arkansas and then losing to uh, Ohio State. Okay, so it seems as if me and Kevin kind of uh, shared brackets. I see. My goodness, Kev, do you have uh, Baylor in the in the uh, in the final four? Or no, nope. I have Baylor losing in the second round to Carolina. Wow. Wow. I think you know I what? Think, people have that though. I think Carolina LSU Michigan LSU over Michigan. People have North Carolina over Baylor. It's they, they, it's. It's the key strange. for Carolina is their guards, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love. Their front court can match anybody uh, in this field. I mean, they can throw out Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, Daron Sharp, Walker Kessler, um, all absolute studs. They'd be all number one options just about every team that they're on. Uh, the key the key's going to be the guard play. Can their young guards compete with Wisconsin? And then I think Baylor's veteran guards, if they can, think Carolina can go on a nice little run here. I have Carolina going all the way to the Elite Eight and losing to Ohio State. Wow. He's got a, okay. Well, right. That's bold. So then now my next question would be to all four of, or to all three of you guys is, is that region by region or not even that because we just did that, but it's fair to say, Kevin, that North Carolina and Wisconsin would be one of your top games of the field of 68, or uh, what would be your number one game that you are looking forward to? And that could be, I guess, uh, the number one game in your eyes for the first weekend. Uh, yeah, I think Carolina and Wisconsin certainly is up there just because how, uh, how much of a veteran team Wisconsin is compared to Carolina's youth. Uh, I think Wisconsin's one of the most overrated teams in the country. Uh, but that, but that's just my opinion. 
the one game I think I'm really looking forward to is probably the Virginia-Ohio game. Mm-hmm. Um, just everything surrounding Virginia. Uh, haven't been able to practice, got bounced from the ACC tournament because of COVID. Um, I have Ohio actually beating them, and I have Ohio going to the Sweet 16 because I have them beating uh, UC Santa Barbara. But uh, I think that Virginia-Ohio game is going to be a good one. Wow. Mike, what do you think about uh, about a, uh, a specific game that you might think would be, uh, or even a specific region that really could uh, blow people's minds away? Yeah, Kevin took the words right out of my mouth. I'm looking at that Virginia-Ohio game. Um, I forget the name. It's Josh something another on Ohio. He never played. I think he only played bat, started playing bat, basketball at 14, and then he didn't even start on on uh, the varsity high school team in senior year. And now he he averaged 16 points a game for Ohio. Now is a shot against quote-unquote, I guess, the defending national champions in Virginia. I mean, the story just writes itself for an incredible March Madness Cinderella. Yeah, yeah I, like, definitely, I, like, uh, I like what both of them said, Joey. I think that, that is an interesting game to watch because of what happened to Virginia. I personally have Virginia winning, but I, but it, I think they're right. It's going to be a good game to watch, better than a lot of people think. Because yeah. look, in this year, you in this in this these times, you really don't know what you're going to get. I mean, we have probably the greatest playing game of all time. Yeah. And we probably will never get such a game like that ever again. Because I mean, Michigan State, UCLA are two teams that are very good, and it's going to be a fight to the end. And that any one of them could, as Mike likes to say, bust some brackets, just like. I, I like his take on UConn potentially being able to bust some brackets. They take down Alabama. It's a that busts a lot of brackets. It, cer- it certainly damages mine. But you know, there's a lot to look at here. But yeah, I think you know, I really like that Clemson Rutgers game. I just being the lo- local guy, a Jersey kid. I think I think that pr- brings a lot of excitement. I mean, there there's just so many options. You, you love you gotta love March. I like what Kevin said about North Carolina, Wisconsin. I actually have Wisconsin winning the game okay. over North Carolina, and ba- Baylor will take them, and then Baylor's going to take them down because of, I think Wisconsin, if North Carolina wins, I will say with Kevin, it's going to be a lot closer than it would be with Wisconsin. I think Baylor has a much easier chance against Wisconsin, but I like the way Wisconsin matches up with North Carolina, and I think they'll be able to take them down in a – one of probably one of the best games we will see. Kevin, the- you agree or disagree on that one? I, I agree, but again, I, I just think Carolina has too much depth in the front court. Look what Luca Garza did to uh, Wisconsin this year, and yeah. I mean, North Carolina doesn't have the players of of that caliber, but they certainly they're certainly close because you you can throw out you could start uh, Sharp and Brooks or Baycott and Brooks, and then you have Sharp and Kessler coming off the bench. It's just. Yeah. They have fresh bodies in the front court um, for the full 40 minutes. I, I just think that's going to wear a lot of teams down. Guys, um, we did see the 1976 Bob Knight-led Indiana Hoosiers go 32-0, 18-0 in the Big Ten Conference. Gonzaga right now is on pace to do the same exact thing. Does it happen, yes or no, and why doesn't it happen? Or actually, I'll take that back. Who do they lose to if they do lose? Start with Kevin Connolly first. They lose, I already said Oklahoma State's in my championship game. Gonzaga beats them 
on April 5th, they're just they're just too good. I mean, I people have asked me from January on. Um, people have given me the choice, get Gonzaga and Baylor or the field. I said if you just gave me Gonzaga or the field, I would take Gonzaga. I think they I think they roll through the West. I think they get challenged in the final four in the championship game, but they have too many options. Jalen, they have too many guard options in uh, Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nemhard. Um, and then Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert, they're just loaded. And not only that, too, there's been so much talk that Mark Few's Gonzaga Bulldogs teams have not been as deep as this one this year. Do you agree with those critics? Well, yeah, I think this team is one of the deepest teams Mark Few has ever had. Yeah. Just look at the West Bracket. I mean, they've played the two, three, and four seeds uh, in their region, and they beat the breaks off every single one of them. Yeah. Um. The, yeah, I think yeah, they, they dismantled Iowa. Yeah, they dismantled Iowa. They dismantled Kansas in the opening game of the year. And then uh, I think it was coming off the COVID pause, they absolutely beat down Virginia too. I think uh, they, they, got, they were pushing 100 points in every single one of those games. Uh, it's I, I I think everyone else is just in it. There's there's only one team that's going to cut down the nets. Mike Zabo. I totally agree. I mean, Gonzaga are just head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, even without Jalen Suggs, they're already a scary enough team to stop. And you add Suggs in there, I mean, it's just incredibly loaded. Um, you know, I think this is not only one of um, Mark Few's best teams, this may be one of the deepest teams that we see in a tournament. Um, and they're set up in the region that they have. I mean, they're set up for probably the easiest path to the final four out of anybody in the region, out of anybody in the tournament, excuse me. But um, I think they're going to, I think they're going to win. I have them in my championship game uh, against Illinois and they'll win. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't really see them losing. Do you, DeLuca, have Gonzaga winning it all? Well, here's what I think. I have to, <laughs> agree, to know. I have to agree with these guys that this is different. This is different for Gonzaga this year. They, they've never had a team like this before. Yeah. Every, in years prior, they were running through an easy conference, and they were getting these high seeds, and then ultimately they choke in, 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 a, in, a, in a game they shouldn't have lost because, oh, my God, they're so good. How'd they lose this game? Because yeah. they didn't play anybody remotely that good. This year, they finally played some tough competition, and they ruined them. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. is a different team. I have them winning the West Region. They are Alabama. Maybe will tire them out for a little bit in the first half, but Gonzaga's going right to the championship game, but not to beat Baylor. <laughs> Baylor is cutting down these nets. It, on April 5th, they're going to pull it off. It's going to be one of the – it's going to have shades of UNC Villanova with how – in terms of excitement and finish. Wow. A great finish. And in the end, Baylor is going to be the one to potentially hit that alleged buzzer beater to take it – to take those nets down and take the title as the best college basketball team in the country. So, so you believe that we're going to see another Chris Jenkins type? We very well could. It might not be right at the buzzer, but I'm telling that game yeah. will come down to the buzzer, and Baylor is just gonna find the, that March magic to do it. Yeah, well, it would be a one shining moment, no pun intended, fellas. That uh, for for the Gonzaga Bulldogs and uh, and Mark Few, it is. Uh, 
it is overdue, long overdue, that's for sure. But listen, Baylor, I mean, hey, listen, they they could do it, 22-2. and two. Uh, They've got a long way to go. Kevin doesn't really think that. He has UNC uh, in the Elite Eight, as you said, right, Kev? Yeah, I just think Baylor, they haven't played well at all coming off their uh, COVID pause. They lost two games, one against Kansas, yep. one against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. I just uh, – I mean, if – if they didn't have a COVID pause, I would easily put Gonzaga and Baylor in the championship. I just don't think they're – I'm not – I was sold on them prior to COVID um, coming off the COVID pause. They just haven't played well at all. I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Kevin, I th- but I think they're going to be out for that revenge, especially when they when they see – as my bracket says, when they see Oklahoma State in the Final Four. It's yeah. going to be a great game. So going to be an awesome Final Four. Gonzaga, Baylor, Alabama, Oklahoma State, incredible games. So with our final two topics here this evening, as we begin to wrap up, wait, our- wait, what do you got? I have, I have Gonzaga and I have Baylor with Baylor winning it all just because I personally don't see Gonzaga uh, repeating 1976 again. I personally believe that yes, they have been as Kevin did say, and you DeLuca, they've been dismantling these teams. It's just, I almost feel like every single year they are always number one, first off, and they can never get to the finish line. I think they can get here, but I just don't think that they cut down the nets. I and mean, also, we were let's let's not forget we were robbed of this game because of COVID. That's and, true. And uh, so this is I, I will not that's be surprised true. if this is the championship game. That's partially why I took it. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. But Gonzaga never got to see Baylor like they did their basically right. their entire region. Right. So and it's just it, it, unfortunately it's just a little bit of that reputation with Gonzaga that they never quite nail it down. Right. Well, there's there are plenty plenty of uh, of teams here that could potentially be bra- uh, bracket busters as we brought up earlier. UConn, a team that always. Uh, is in it, it always seems like a dark horse. Wichita State, the Shockers. It's very possible that they really could, no pun intended, shock the world and maybe uh, first off, first knock off Drake and then maybe USC. Not a guarantee, not really likely, but crazier things have happened. I've got them doing it. Uh, say it again. I've got them doing it. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it is very possible. And we've all, we also did not think that UMBC would take down Virginia. But they did. So it's very possible. And this whole bracket that, you know, I would say would be a masterpiece could literally be torn to shreds at on Friday or, uh, yeah, on Friday at like 2.15 when, when, uh, when, when, when everything is just, you know, the, 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 these first four matchups, guys, uh, you know, we, we, we spoke about Wichita Drake, well, Wichita State Drake. We spoke about Mount, uh, Mount St. Mary's, obviously, Michigan, UCLA. Uh, you know, with obviously the joke being, um, you know, being one and done here, Michigan State, UCLA, uh, I would say Mike Zabo has to be the best first four game that we can think of on paper, on record. Yeah, I mean, usually the first four games are just something you just write off. It's a nice little appetizer into the main March Madness and all. But peop- but for the first time, probably in forever, people are really going to be tuning into the first four because you never really see two great historic championship programs be relegated to the play-in games. And, I mean, the story just writes itself. Michigan State and Tom Izzo having a gutsy end-of-season run to jump into this field. 
um, UCLA trying to get back to the glory days uh, that they haven't been yeah. to in a while. Um, so the story just writes itself there. The, the game is going to be great, and it finally gives you a reason to tune into the first four. Yeah, really crazy stuff, fellas. And tomorrow it all uh, gets underway. Uh, True TV, I think it's like 5.15 or 5.40 in that range. Uh, I know it is during the five o'clock hour on true TV uh, with the first game being the aforementioned Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers, Texas Southern 12 and 10, 16 and eight, the 16 seed. The winner of that game will be going on to play Juwan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines guys to conclude this show. What is the best first round matchup that you can give to all of our viewers out there uh, to potentially watch on Friday and Saturday? We'll start with Mike Zabo first. Uh, I think uh, we mentioned a little bit about uh, Virginia and Ohio before. Um, I think also um, seeing something like, um, you know, we mentioned uh, going back to our Big East roots. I think uh, Georgetown is going to be fun to watch in that uh, first round matchup. Um, Texas Tech, a team who could very well um, run the table in the South region or do neither. Um, you never know what you can get. Um, from them. I think that's going to be an interesting first round game with Texas Tech and Utah State, a six and 11 game that I think is pretty evenly matched. Um, you know, it's, it's March Madness. Uh, it, it, you know, every game is, is, is pretty amazing. And especially the fact that we haven't had it for two years, thanks to COVID is going to make it that much more special. I, I think the UNC and Wisconsin one um, that we mentioned before is also an underrated matchup that People haven't been talking about enough. I think that's going to be um, a fun one there too. Uh, yeah, take it. I'll, I'll go aside for aside from Virginia, Ohio. Two ones I really like. Uh, one that's flying a little bit under the radar: Arkansas and Coldgate. I think that has a really good chance of being a really good game. And then also San Diego State and Syracuse. I think those two games have the potential to being really good. Yeah, Rob DeLuca. Let's hear it. You know, I, we actually didn't mention these two teams tonight, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go here. You know, it's it'll probably be a close game. Oregon and VCU. Hmm. Oh. I, I see some. There's something in the. It, it, it's a game that that is a game that flies under the radar. Some LJ Figueroa action, huh? Yeah, I figured that would get our veins and veins going. <laughs> all four of us being St. John's alum and fan, but. I yeah I, I just see a great matchup here. VC, VCU is definitely coming into this a little underrated because they, they didn't quite have the season that they normally would. You know you know you, when you see VCU ever since their Cinderella run from many years ago, you don't see them as a ten seed too often now. So it's it's tough to see them on a lower seed. Oregon in at a seven seed, people wonder if that was too high. But I think these two teams match up very well, and I think I personally have VCU coming away with it. But I think. That that if you if you're looking for an exciting close first matchup, that is a good one, and maybe something that people may not expect. Watch out for Kansas and East Washington. Kansas has a little yeah. bit has three players missing because of COVID. I mean, they say there's a possibility that two of them get to can come back before the game, but it's not confirmed yet. So if they don't have them. Eastern Washington might be able to hang around for a little bit longer than people think. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, there's also a player. Uh, I can't pinpoint the name. I, I'm sure some – I know one of you guys definitely can. But Oklahoma-Missouri really has uh, has taken the spotlight away from 
from my number one game was Arkansas and Colgate, which really I do believe would have been a shootout. Um, and I, 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 I don't remember the name, Kevin. I know you definitely do. Oklahoma, Missouri. Um, Oklahoma, there's, I believe, a COVID case uh, on the yeah. team, and it is one of their top players as well. I can't pinpoint yeah. it. I'm having a brain fart. Uh, Devion Harmon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Devion Harmon tested. Uh, well, I don't know if he tested positive today, but Long Kruger said today that he tested positive and he is uh, won't be in the game. And that's one of their best players. So that's a big blow for Oklahoma. That's another game. I had Oklahoma beating Missouri. I'm going to have to go back and change mm-hmm. that out. I don't think they can beat Missouri without uh, Harmon. So I'll, I'll think the Tigers will with the, the unlucky draw and have to play Gonzaga. Yeah, I had Missouri, and I'm keeping it that way. And after hearing that news, yeah, absolutely. And then obviously, my number two would be Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago. Uh, I think that would be a fantastic thing to see a 101 year old Sister Jean just, you know, waving those arms from Indianapolis and from Lucas Oil Stadium or from wherever they are, maybe even in Hingle Fieldhouse. Uh, you know, trying to get her team going and really cool stuff at 24 and four. Uh, we'll see what Loyola Chicago has left in uh, in the tank as they head uh, to play Georgia Tech, who, as Kevin brought up earlier, Georgia Tech is now dealing with some COVID issues uh, as well. So another another 8-9 game that really statistically is uh, bound for upsets. So really, really uh, cool stuff here, fellas. So uh, we'd like to conclude our show not only by saying thank you to guys Kevin Connolly and Mike Zabo from Fansided, Storm the Paint, also from WSJU St. John's University Radio Network. We appreciate the two of you coming on here and uh, and joining us just to you know discuss March Madness and uh, and to really get all of our fans ready to go uh, for tomorrow's first four. It's going to be tons of fun, guys. Thank you so much for coming on here with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joey. Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. But before you do go, we just want to just give a couple of shout-outs here and uh, and a few just paying the bills here, if you will. We want to make sure that uh, that everyone knows that, oh, if we can get it up there, is that uh, the Essential Wrestling Podcast presented to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em will continue. Episode number 46 will come your way Tuesday, March 23rd at 6 p.m. right here on the Eastern Observer. It can also be found Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Google uh, Google Play Store and YouTube and also Spotify as well. Be sure to also subscribe to us on the Primetime Rundown by searching the Primetime Rundown on the following uh, apps, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, or on YouTube by searching I-95 Sports Network. Also, just we want to mention as well, our show has been presented to you by Black Cats NYC. Their newest album, Free Cake, is out now. Play loud. Listen on Apple Music, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Pandora, and Spotify as well. Also, guys, uh, we do want to say as well, the the, uh, Central Wrestling Podcast will be hosting their WrestleMania special uh, at... uh, on Saturday, April 10th at 3 p.m. That will be presented to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em as well. It can all be seen right here on the Eastern Observer as well. So for all of you watching, we cannot thank you enough for joining us here this morning. It will actually be played on Thursday morning. But for all of those that are Irish, I know Kevin Connolly is, happy St. Patrick's Day for everyone out there. And we hope that you Uh, Drive home safely from wherever you are, uh, any open bar area. Make sure 
that there is a safe way home. For Rob DeLuca, Kevin Connolly, Mike Zabo, Ian Schreier on the back end, he could not be here this evening. And for all of us at the Blackjack Media Group, I'm Joey Jozinka. We'll see you next time.